0: Welcome to SME Radio. In this episode of Mid-Market Matters, I'm joined by Paul Jance. Paul's the National Network Manager for Professional Partners, working with C2 Capital, and he's got quite an interesting background and experience working largely with accounting and professional services firms around increasing the client service value proposition. We're going to ask him about that in a moment. Uh, Firstly, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Mate, um, I'm really interested, just a bit of background. Tell us sort of, you know, a bit of your history and your work experience and how you got to be where you are now. Geez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: It goes back a little bit. Um, I suppose I spent uh, 10 years when I first started working with Kerry Packers Sporting Magazine Group. So that was sort of between 89 and 99. In 99, I joined a company that was working within the accounting profession. They were An accounting firm, they were a fairly large financial planning business, and they also had a fairly large business advisory business, based not far from you in Sydney, and they had a Victorian office as well as a Brisbane-based office. That really started my entrance into the accounting industry. Um, I suppose from there, I went on to um, manage a business out of Hawthorne here in Melbourne that had an office in London, again, a very large accounting firm with an advisory business attached to it. So I was um, a part of their general management, global management team based out of London. Came back here in probably 2004 and I went straight to the Gold Coast and I opened up my own training and coaching company to the accounting industry. So one of the key things that we identified back then was, and the company was called GPL, the so Growth, Profit and Liquidity. Yep. And we, we, we basically helped accounting firms to grow. Um, to create more profit and to add greater cash flow to their business. So that's a little bit of how that has then transpired into what I'm doing now, because what we did, we had the opportunity back in probably 2007 or 2008 to chat to a number of accounting firms we were working with and to say, well, there's a lot of theory, thought process, um, comments around how you can going to continue to value and add value to clients and how do you do that? And I suppose back then we, a lot of the firms didn't know themselves. So we took the task on to talk to those firms and talk to their clients. So we ran a lot of, as you probably remember, we ran a lot of different focus groups, which was brilliant. We got to find out a lot about what do clients want, what do clients see of value. Um, And that's probably driven my passion probably over the last 20 years or so to say, how do we continually build businesses that people want to buy? And from the accounting industry, it's probably something that they, they wouldn't typically do. As we all know, it's, it's, it's a compliance-driven market. Um, there's government changes, there's stimulus packages, there's single tax payroll. And unfortunately, it's a part of the industry, have to react to that. So it's a bit more of a reactive process. But for some of the firms that are in a different mindset, they also want to focus a lot more on how do we provide our clients with what they're looking for apart from the tax element of what we have to do as companies and individuals
0: yeah because i think that's, that's a big, it's, the compliance and tax stuff as a business owner really doesn't help you it, it keeps you out of trouble with the tax office and it's got to be done etc but it's not it's not adding a lot of value to your business day to day
1: yeah look and that's that's exactly right and that's what we found we found a lot of i suppose when we spoke to the firm's clients and this is again we, we go back a few years and um, some fantastic feedback came from it you know from And a lot of it was also built in. I've always come from the school of people only question the fee if there's a lack of value. If you can demonstrate the value, people will never question the fee. And there's always that perception that, oh, my accounting fees are too high, my accounting fees are too high. And we broke that down, broke it down and broke it down and broke it. And we tried to work out why you feel that your accounting fees are high is that because you don't see value? In, and they didn't. You know, A lot of the mindset was, well, I get set of a big set of accounts at the end of the day. And uh, that was value to the accounting firm. It wasn't value to the client. They didn't see any value in that. So we, we broke that down and broke that down. And I suppose one of the, the businesses that we created from that, you sort of fast forward to where we are now in June 2020 and moving into July 2020. And we've now created this high-end service offering for high-end clients of accounting firms to offer them services that they wouldn't usually get offered. And that's the great thing we're doing at the Professional Partners as a part of C2 Capital.
0: So tell me a little bit more about that. You talk about high-end clients and a different level of service. What does that actually look like?
1: Yeah, look, I think, uh, again, one of the things that we did, and I, I I believe in always researching and always chatting to your target audience. So um, when I came back, I had a stint over in Los Angeles, came back, to my birth home of Melbourne and decided that as a part of C2, if we were to offer something a little bit different, we need to work out, will people actually buy that service or that product? And from our point of view, it's a service. So I went and actually spoke to about 20 firms. This was uh, probably October, 2018, Um, and said, look, this is what the market has told us in the past, but things have shifted. There's no doubt things changed is this something that you believe that you used to want to build and offer your clients as a part of a high-end service? You know, most, again, we used to do the sums around, um, you know, 80% of the revenue gets derived from 20% of the clients. They're usually the high-end clients. How do we continue to deliver a high-end service or what, I'd, what I used to call almost like a private service? Um, and some firms have done it really, really well, and others are saying, well, how can we replicate or model what they've done? And that's effectively what we did. We then took about 30, 35 firms into a session on Feb 14. I still remember it was Valentine's Day um, 2019 and said, if we were going to do this, let's work together in a collaborative manner to say, how do we bring this to life? And what are all the barriers that you would put to us to why you wouldn't do this? And we ended up with a service model now that is is
0: delivering great things to accounting firms, uh, which is pretty awesome. That's fantastic, mate. And I'm, I'd imagine the things that you see, accounting firms, you know, client service, et cetera, it would apply to other industries as well.
1: 100%. And I think if we looked back, and I think the, let's call it the, the internet has changed a lot of things, and being cloud-based has changed a lot of things. Um, you've only got to look at companies like Spotify, um, Uber, Netflix, uh, which are probably, to be fair now, in 2020 – my, my kids, that's all they do. Spotify and Netflix, they're probably not, you know, they're probably too young to jump in Ubers. But it's fair to say that's what we, we are now using because if we were, while we, all, you know, if we weren't happy with the current system, or if we look at Uber, um, you know, dominated by the taxi industry, there was a lot of reasons why, you know, we started to use these rideshare companies mainly, and I know they've had a few issues with this, but mainly because of safety. Um, mainly because of, you know, we don't hand over cash. Um, the credit card charges that we used to get from taxis, the fact that they'd go the wrong way um, and then there'd be additional charges. Personally, that's how I view it. And that's the reason why I started to use things like an Uber and living over in the US, you know, you can do a $2 ride. You know, it's, it's so cheap to catch Ubers in the US. And then you come back here and there, then there's more rideshare companies that are doing it. But you can track your progress, you can check, yeah, you, you, you know, you can track your wife when they're going out with the girls, like, and you can track your kids when they're going out in things that the taxi industry wasn't providing us. So therefore, there was a there was a real opportunity for disruption, same as Spotify, um, same as Netflix. That's all we do now. We just stream, don't we? That's the new norm. Absolutely. We don't go out to Blockbuster and have our normal Friday night pizza with a video. We don't do that anymore. Um, I'm old enough to know that we used to pay thirty bucks for a CD or. I've got heaps of vinyl under my stairs here. Again, you pay a lot of money. That's now coming back to life, which is great. But we now just we we've got unlimited of streaming for ten dollars a month.
0: Phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It's certainly different to uh, to, to the way that we grew up. Um, I'm interested to hear how that applies to to other particular businesses. You've talked about some great examples there with Uber and Spotify and so on. Um, this issue, though, around you know, changing to what the client actually needs, rather than what you think they might need, um, runs through a lot of businesses, a lot of industries. So I'm interested to sort of see how how what you've applied and built with the accounting firms can work in other areas.
1: Yeah, cool. And I look again. I've always I call it the Richard Branson theory, and I think while Virgin are probably going to announce their new owner tomorrow, the I, I love the fact that. That's how he's been able to build his Virgin brand and by going out and talking to customers and working out what they like and what they don't like and to build a company around what they do like because if they like it, they're more likely to buy it and therefore it's going to be worth more. Um, And that's pretty well what we've been able to to tailor because at the end of the day, we, we know. You know, I've been working in the industry for so long as like you have, most of the accountants that we would talk to say, you know, we, we need our rats and mice. But at the end of the day, it's the high-end stuff that brings in the different types of work and the more high-end clients. If you can, If every accounting firm that's listening can pull in another 10 clients like their current 10 high-end clients, that's the type of clients you want. That's the type of work you want. And that's the type of feedback that we constantly got. So I suppose... While there was a there was an element there of um, you could call it a problem to a certain degree, but I suppose it was more around the focus of how can we reflect and reset and talk to clients about what they're actually looking for and deliver that. And I suppose being in the right place at the right time, because what C two does is you know C two is an investment management company. So the great part is that we also have a number of assets that we own traditionally on land and then commercial properties, and we tenant those out. A lot of clients like investing in bricks and mortar. And that was a lot of the comments that we got around what we were doing. A lot of clients want to have above average returns. They're sick of getting the 1.4% in the banks. Um, So they're, they're willing to, and especially if you've got cash sitting in super or whatever it may be, So what we're able to do is provide this high-end service to the accounting firms, however they wish to run it. And it was about how can we bring that out? And I did a lot of work with PWC private out of Sydney years and years and years ago. And, you know, they're a PWC private, very separate to their PWC business. And, you know, there's 19 partners there in Sydney and they're dealing with high-end clients. And all their high-end clients want high-end service offerings. Maybe service offerings that may not get offered to the rest of the market. And I talk about, you know, the old scenario, the rich get richer. Well, they get richer because they get different opportunities. Opportunities that maybe other clients may not get the opportunity to have a look at. Um, so we, we did a lot of modelling around that. And I, in that, in that session on February 14, um, that was what I presented. I said, look, this is what PDWC Private does. They, they work in three key areas. One is businesses. They work with families, trying to take them into family offices. They work with individuals, trying to take them to ultra-high-net-worth individuals. Is there anyone here that doesn't have businesses, families, and individuals clients? Not one hand went up. Okay, good. So therefore, the, the, the thought process is, how do we take that to the next step? And how do we start developing these businesses that are going to be more profitable, which means they're more profitable, they want to invest more? families, generational wealth. Everyone would like to have families that are creating generational wealth as clients and individuals that go from a normal individual to an ultra high net worth individual. Simple model, all we did was replicate it and we've been able to work with a lot of the firms over probably the last 18 months now to develop that and grow that model. Right, is
0: there anyone else doing this in the accounting industry?
1: Look, it's a good question. I suppose um, not that not that we're aware of. I suppose you've got your PwC private at that level, um, you know, and probably the let's call it your even your your second tier firms that would that may be doing it. They're not our target audience. I think that there's a lot of one to three to four partner firms that are saying, how do we take our service offering to the next level? What else is available? If the big boys in town can do it, why can't we do it? And sometimes it is a mindset, but sometimes it also the fact of someone else testing it, making it work, and then saying, well, this is easy to replicate. We just need to work with people that, and collaborate with the right people that can actually bring it to life. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's pretty cool what we've created. That's great. And so, you know, who else is doing this? What other companies have created this kind of emotional, you know, model and attachment built on customer needs or customer service? Oh look, I and
1: I'll, I'll stay with sort of what I mentioned before. I'll, I'll, I'll say Virgin. Um, I think Virgin's the first one. You know, there's a lot of uh, I used to be a Qantas flyer as an example, and a Qantas frequent flyer, and then suddenly Virgin brings out Virgin became a lot sexier, let's call it. Um, you know, and and if we go back to the days when when Virgin first started, and Branson probably owned a lot more often back then, and you can think about the what they brought to the table, and I think the it's more the emotional what does it feel like when you um go from you know let's say their you know their velocity program you start with red and then you go to gold and then you go to platinum and how does it make you feel when suddenly you get lounge access suddenly you get to bring your friend into the lounge suddenly you get to board the plane before everybody else. It actually does make you feel very very different it's no it's no different to um, you know, the people that are actually, again, the clients that may be at the higher level that have got a personal banker or a private banker. When you get a phone call and someone says, Oh, look, I'm your private banker, how does it make you feel? It mm. Makes you feel special.
0: And yeah, that's absolutely. the
1: same sort of emotional feeling that we've tried to drive through the service offering that we've created. So we want those top clients or those high end clients to feel special rather than just driving. The compliance work that typically takes place. Um, and for us to, you know, there's been an educational side there, there's been a mentoring side, there's been a coaching side. That's, you know, a lot of my background is in that as well. So to, to, to just, you know, coach the firms through how we can start to do this well and then test it. I'm a big fan of testing things and getting at your screwdriver and tweaking it. Testing it, getting at a screwdriver and tweaking it because not everything will work for everybody. And it's about being, again, using the, Collaborative type of manner to just make sure it works for people.
0: Okay, in terms of business owners that are, you know, might be listening to this and don't get this level of experience and service from their accountant, um, what would you say to those? What advice would you give to those business owners around how they how they remedy that?
1: Yeah, look at the, look that's a that's that's a really good question. Um, I would say start talking to your clients, but start talking to your clients about other things than tax because that is something that, that a lot of people feel comfortable doing. So that's their comfort zone. I'm putting up my inverted commas here um, because people like to stay in their comfort zone. They don't like change. Most of us don't like change. That's just a, that's just a proven fact. So I think the, the, the bit of advice I would be saying is have a look at the sorts of things that you can start talking to your clients about and be open to that type of conversation, find out what they like, find out what they feel is value, because what can come from it, and again, the coaching side comes into this, and a lot of the, you know, the, the different other consultants that are out there will share this as well, is that that can then create up an opportunity. If you start doing that with your clients, think about the knock-on effect that you're now coaching your client to do that with their clients. And it's about making sure, it's a you know, if you're going to open up a new line product or whatever it may be, or service, whatever it may be, go and test the market. There's not a better market to test than the people that are currently your customers, not new customers. So there's a lot of, you know, from that point of view, I think there's a lot of, call it money being left on the table, um, where we we sometimes go searching for new clients, but we're not adding greater value and opportunity to the existing clients. So I think it's just a... I think there's a great opportunity there for a lot of firms, but only the firms that want to do it. And I think the ones that want to do it, um, I saw the Accountants Daily Awards only came out last week and there's a lot of exciting firms there. They're the proactive ones that
0: are getting out there and doing it. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see that sort of stuff. All right, good. Mate, before we wrap up, I want to ask you two things. Firstly, your number one tip for business owners to be more successful. What's the number one tip?
1: <sighs> number one tip... Look,
0: it's a a great question.
1: Um, I would be, you know, I think uh, I've I've always believed in making sure you surround yourself with really good people. Um, I've always believed that people are my number one asset, while clients are important, if you don't have people to service those clients. Again, it goes hand in hand, but I'd always put my people first. I'd always be saying, make sure you employ well and you fire well um because if you if you don't fire well as well at the same time those people can be quite toxic to your business and bring down the culture of what you're trying to create so i'll always bring it back to the people side and make sure the people that are in your business just continue to support continue to mentor um you know it's, it's sometimes the little things you know the pats on the back great job great job you know and just continually surround yourself with good people you can't do everything so you've got to work out what you're really good at and then find the other people to plug those holes and let ego go. It's not about ego. Okay, so it's about making sure that you're doing the right thing by your client. So there's probably a couple there, I suppose.
0: Sorry, a you a one. No, That's good. <laughs> Very good. Paul, how do people get in touch with you if they want to find out more?
1: Um, they can reach out on uh, email. They can, they can paul.jance at c2capital.com. Uh, they can check out uh, our website. Unfortunately, we're going through a bit of a revamp at the moment, but C2Capital.com is our site. You can check us out. Um, shoot us a note. I think that's probably the, the critical thing. You know, we we do run. We've been running a lot of different virtual lunches as well. So, just to the industry, I, I love providing an educational platform, and I think that's one of the great things that we're continually able to do, and just share great IP with people and. Whether they choose to take it and run with it, fantastic. If they don't, that's okay as well. So that's probably the best way, mate.
0: Fantastic. Paul, thanks for joining us. Really great stuff.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Greg.
0: Thanks for listening to Mid-Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au. And to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.